I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode on the Power 365 show. Today's podcast, totally different, totally unique. I've got Samir back and I've got Sarab also on the show. So the two of them are live in this episode and we're going to cover off 30 Power App Champion stories in 30 minutes. If you've looked at the length of this episode, you know it's going to be a little more than 30 minutes. Anyhow, full show notes can be found at nz365guide.com forward slash 136. And there's going to be lots of show notes, so check them out. This is an amazing discussion. We don't uh, we don't speed up. We kind of keep it consistent, even though we knew it are taking a little longer than normal. If you're a Microsoft partner and you want to if you feel like bulk up and get some stories in your you know your backpack to tell to customers listen to this episode so many great great stories in here um, around the power platform from so many different sectors industries and people's background check it out i hope you enjoy these two gentlemen right now gentlemen samir and sarab welcome to the power 365 show happy to be here Yep. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having us on. Excellent. Okay, so we're doing something unique today in that I've got two guests with me. Um, before we get underway with our unique program and, and uncovering the stories of all these Power App champs, um, Samir, you've already been on the show and and you know got to know you a bit and, and the journey and the story you've been on. Uh, so we'll, we'll um, you know, in the show notes, we'll put a link back to that episode. But Saurabh, can you tell me a bit about uh where you live work and play absolutely so i live in seattle i've uh, mm -hmm. been in seattle for a while now 18 years i yep. work at microsoft those 18 years so uh, i live there for those who know seattle i live there by green lake with my beautiful wife and my young mm -hmm. six-year-old uh, zoe wow very nice zoe was it uh, yeah zoe very nice very nice so where did you come from originally Originally from India, I did my computer science engineering in Pune in India. Uh, Pune. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and is is that where you grew up as well in Pune? I, I grew up in Pune as well. So my family is yeah. originally from uh, northern India. My mm -hmm. my village in India is actually at ten thousand feet elevation in the Himalayas. So, wow! So wow! It's exotic. Uh, but I grew up in a city fairly close to Samir. I think the two hours from yep. Samir in Pune. Uh, and then I did my engineering there, master's in the U.S., and joined Microsoft, uh, right? My first job was Microsoft. Mm -mm -mm. Is that like the Sikh region of India? Uh, it's close to that. Uh, Punjab is uh, close Punjab, to where yeah. I grew up from. And it's uh, the place I come from. It's called Uttarakhand. It's, uh, uh, and that's where the village is, uh, on the other side of the Himalayas from Nepal. Wow. Wow. Okay, okay. And uh but eighteen years now. Have you been at Microsoft the whole eighteen years? <laughs> yes, I have. Wow. Okay. 
Okay. And how did you get into Microsoft to start with? Straight from university, I think? Uh, I, uh, I did an internship at Microsoft. And mm -hmm. uh, that uh, I had an amazing experience. I came back and uh, that's it. It's uh, the good thing with Microsoft is uh, given how large the company is, you can reinvent yourself within the company. And it's mm -hmm. almost easier to reinvent yourself in the company because they'll take a bet on you. So I moved yeah. from engineering to program management, from doing .NET mm -hmm. to doing cloud, to running a cloud service, to doing a SaaS service like Power Apps, then moving from engineering to customer uh, success. Um, so mm -hmm. It keeps it fresh. Yeah, yeah. So how did, you're in Power Apps now. How did that journey, how did, how did you get into Power Apps? Were you there from day one? Pretty much, actually. I was uh, I was running, I was doing product management for Azure Redis Cache. That was my last gig. And then we, I had done uh, program management for 15 years. I was looking for something new. And we were just about to launch this new service at that time, codenamed Kratos Apps. Or Kato's apps, uh, and I was—I think I was program manager number two on that initiative. Uh, I did product for a while, and then I wanted to do more customer-facing role within the same product. So I sort mm -hmm. of started a one-man customer success team for Power Apps almost four years back now. Okay, so when did Power Apps become known as Power Apps? Was that only in the last two years? In the or last three? three and a half years, I think. About uh, okay. we did private preview around three and a half years back, and uh, after we were. Our, we wanted it to be Power Apps, uh, but they were once we got to the legal issues of getting the name, it was three and a half years back when we announced our private preview. Three years back was, I think, our GA. Uh, and of course, it has the legacy of what was an uh, almost a research project to Siena much before that. So it's been a long investment for Microsoft. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I take it it's going to be uh, a longer investment into the future. Absolutely. So tell us a bit about this program um, that you guys run, because, you know, you, you, although you're on the technical side, you know, part of what you do, you also do a lot around storytelling uh, of the Power App Champs. Can you tell us how this program started and basically how it works? Yeah, and I can talk to just one minute to it. It's, uh, so I, what we run today is what we now call the Power Cat Team, the Power Customer Advisory Team. And... Put simply, I think my team does two things. One is help customers be successful and then celebrate that success. And uh, so helping customers be successful is essentially the delivery arm of my organization, right? We'll work with customers, uh, be in the trenches with them, make sure their uh, solutions are successful. And then that for me, does a phenomenal job of taking all the learnings from those engagements and um celebrating that success and putting it out there so a lot more folks uh, can then take learning from it and scale because there's only so many customers we can directly engage with. Yeah. So so was this was this an internal initiative that then became, you know, uh, external facing as well? How did it, um, and maybe, um, Samir, you want to answer that. How, how did the program come together to what it is today? Yeah, absolutely. I can <clears throat> answer that. So the what we think of as a program in this case that we have a community of champions, right? And we think of champions as people who are in organizations who you may never hear from. You know, they're the heroes within their own organization who are driving perhaps the early adopters of technologies like Power Apps. Often they're directly in a business unit, someone on the ground um, starting to use these technologies. And we see them as someone who can, you know, in, in some ways be the intrapreneur is the word I like to use sometimes, you know, to, to, um, to drive that adoption. Now, 
the from a Microsoft perspective, yeah, right? We don't we typically don't have a relationship directly with that person, you know. And I often use you know an example like Summit from Heathrow Airport. Um, we don't really have a way to connect with Summit directly. So what we had started is this champions program where uh, Summit via his let's say while he's in Power Apps via backend telemetry might get a prompt that shows up saying, we see that you've been doing, and, and when I say we see, just to be you know super clear, this is anonymized <laughs> just uh, telemetry running yes, in the background, yes. right? It's just basically yeah, yeah, thinking yeah. in an anonymous fashion, scoring what people are doing, how much they're using uh, the product, and uh, invite we invite them to join this this group. So it really isn't, you know, how we think of traditional programs as you go and apply somewhere and you join in. It's not one of those. It really is something which you would otherwise not know of if we weren't having this conversation. Um, and there are people who, when they get that notification, they can opt in and join this group. We do have them sign an NDA, which helps for more conversations with direct conversation with the product team around not only shipped products, but stuff that's uh, coming down the pipe. Yep. And then, I mean, to add to that, really, our job there is coming back to what Saurabh was saying, right, is to um, drive that adoption, kind of nurture this group and form those connections with each other. But then the next aspect of it is celebrating their success, um, and, and telling these stories, which I think to me then start to become symbolic of, of the different personas and what people are doing with the platform. Interesting. Tell me, do you think that, you know, we're, we're going to have a chat shortly about um, a range of citizen developers that, that have come into the program and done very well. But do you think that a citizen developer, let's say a subject matter expert, non-technologist, how long do they stay non-technologists once they've got onto power apps and really starting to do stuff? Is it like three months and they're really now technologists um, as well as, you know, their subject matter expertise, why they kind of, you know, the business problems, they, they, they picked up the tool to start solving? So my take on that is at some level, it's a, it's a self-label that they assign to themselves, right? And we're going to, once we get into that, you can, uh, we would probably agree and disagree on, on whether so-and-so is a technologist or not. But for me, the important thing is how do they self-identify? So someone like, if I think of Lauren Taylor, who's an assistant principal at uh, in the Tacoma School District, when she presented at MBAS, you know, she starts speaking about all the things that she is. <clears throat> and she talks about how she's a mom and she's an educator and she's an assistant um, substitute teacher. And then she said, the one thing that she is not is a programmer. She doesn't identify herself as a technologist, right? You ask me, and to me, clearly, Lauren is a technologist. You know, she is driving, like creating solutions. She's uh, tweeting about them. She's encouraging others. So uh, I, to me, it's less, you know, honestly, it's less about the, the time frame because it's not like a linear um, exam or education path where you now all of a sudden go from being one to not. It's, uh, it, it's, I think, the level of technical capability and capacity over time just continues to increase based on their passion and interest. Uh, and the, the piece, I think that's quite relevant, what you mentioned is, you know, was talking about is the folks that are, are, you know, often closest to the problem, having them armed with the right technology and you know, I come back to it. We can have so many examples, right? People, you know, 20 years ago using Excel was considered 
on the higher end, perhaps for some folks on the higher end of the technology spectrum. Now, you know, when my when my dad uses Excel, um, I don't think of him as a technologist because he's using Excel. Mm -hmm. So that's just one one example yeah. um, that comes to yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, so true. So true. You know, what, it's, what excites me most about Power Apps is that, you know, I've done a lot of research and reading, particularly in the past year, around AI and the fear associated in a lot of sectors that AI is going to replace all our jobs and, you know, that type of thing, of which, you know, after reading about five books this year on it, uh, I have no fear of that being the, the case whatsoever. I'm, you know, quite convinced in that respect. But what I find, Power Apps gives people the opportunity that no matter what their skill sets to kind of get into IT, even though they might not have done a comsci degree or, or you know, did formal uh, study around, um, you know, the sciences, maths, uh, that type of thing. It really does provide a way for them to lift their career into a whole new arena around information technology, you know, digital transformation, that type of thing. No, absolutely. And it's uh, more importantly, it just helps them not be dependent on someone to solve their problems, right? It's uh, they can self-help themselves and move on. And some like solving the problem so much that they that becomes their career. And some have a career they're really happy with and want to, you know, sort of delve into solving their problem and moving on with what their day job is. Yeah. Yeah, so true. I was on a call with Vivek, and I think he's one of the people I talk about shortly. Uh, and he said yet to me yesterday, um, what the Power Apps is doing is allowing a new generation of people um, that just want to get things done, and they can pick up the tool and get things done without, if you like, going to somebody else to do it for them. And I just thought that's 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 yeah. We made the classic example. I believe his title is he's in the, um, marketing uh, in his organization and has yeah. been doing some phenomenal work with yeah. Power Apps. Yeah, so true. Okay, so let's get on to the, the, the meat and potatoes of this uh, episode, which is we're going to do 30 stories in 30 minutes. Now, this is going to be quite unique. I know you guys are ready. Uh, you've got your stories um, ready to go. almost feel like I should have a timer or a bell <laughs> or something, but uh, I'll let you self-monitor. But Samir, we'll start with you. Um, is that right? You want to start first, and you're going to take us through – uh, some stories and kind of how you do the storytelling within Microsoft. Yeah, and so just for a little bit of um, context before we, we jump into this um, sprint, more than a marathon sounds like, is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we start, about 18 months ago, we started sending out internal episodes within Microsoft really to drive awareness of what, uh, you know, citizen developers, IT pros, pro developers, partners, what are they really doing on the ground with the platform? Um, and those episodes, we were sending them once a week. Now we send them once every other week. They, they really helped, you know, drive both for us understanding in a deeper way what our customers are doing and then broader within Microsoft um, drive that. And then a number of them you see on stage and highlighted at conferences and public stories, blog posts, things like that. So we've been, you know, at the center of it and through it, I think what's been an amazing side benefit and to me in some ways, perhaps longer term, even more valuable than that written document is perhaps the relationship that we've built up with the people as part of that storytelling process, right? So a little bit of context, we're now, you know, pretty proud to say we're at episode 54 
working on episode 55 at the moment. Um, so that's been a, um, a fun journey. But we can, yeah, so with that, so that's just a little bit of that context. That's where a lot of these come from. Um, some of them we turned into storytelling cards um, to highlight things like that. So with that, Saurabh, are you ready? We are ready. Let's okay. do it. So I'm going to start with uh, Heathrow Airport. Uh, and Summit Saini. I think he's really extremely well known after he was on stage with Satya in 2018 at the Inspire conference. Right? And Summit started as a security officer at Heathrow. He was there for 13 years. He was tinkering with Excel and other things. He found Power Apps. Uh, sounds like he just sort of really took to it from day one, started moving processes from paper to digital. One example was an app for translating common phrases as passengers came through their terminal, right? And he, and he talks about it. He's gone from, you know, he saved 950 hours, 72,000 sheets of paper. So we've heard, I mean, many have heard about Summit's story. What I find amazing is the super user community that he's built up within Heathrow over that time. And now you're hearing stories from Nas, Sadiq, Andy Gray, Courtney, a whole bunch of them. James Phillips was there last week. Um, and there's a, a bunch of activity on LinkedIn around what they, they all are doing. And there's this sort of groundswell movement with a lot of support from their CIO, Stuart Birrell. Um, so it has this great uh, bottoms up and top down uh, initiative. Awesome. Next, <laughs> Lauren Taylor. We just spoke about her a little bit. Lauren is 45 minutes away from us over here in the Tacoma Public School District. Um, I would consider her classic citizen developer, assistant principal at the school. She has now with it being back to school, has a very busy life there. She really uses Power Apps, Flow, Power BI, uh, Teams, to help optimize her teachers' lives, right? She wants to save, saving time is big for teachers. She's built, started with an app for improving reading assessments. So instead of kids just being assigned one number, like you're a number 28 on reading, you now get a much more nuanced view and you can capture this detailed information as to where exactly are they along their reading journey. Um, that was one app, like many of these stories, she started there and she's continued to build on it. Um, all of that data comes back and she visualizes it in Power BI and it runs all integrated within Teams. So their teachers don't even think of it as being yet this new Power Apps thing. It's all just a part of Teams. Wow. So t tell me, how did she discover Power Apps? Like, like literally, how did she first discover it? It's a funny story. You can see her presentation at MBAS. She actually started with Flow and then she had a support issue with Flow. And when she called the support desk, described what she was trying to do, they said, you know, you should look at perhaps trying Power Apps. You might like it. And she's like, are you are you kidding me? Like, I'm calling you with a support issue and you want me to try yet another thing. No, thank you. So she got her Flow issue resolved and then somehow Power Apps kept popping up in, you know, that was on the back of her mind. And once um, uh, it was part of, of course, their Office 365 subscription. So you know, once she started using it, it landed. It was exactly what she wanted. Um, the other thing is she got a lot of support from the community. So, you know, you'll see her now. She put out, hey, I need some help here. And people um, just jumped in and helped her kind of improve her learning journey. Awesome. Awesome. Martin Lee. 
Martin Lee from Autoglass. Yeah, so Martin Lee, just starting off with, he's now called the Amazing App Man. He officially got that award internally within Belron. He works for Autoglass, which is part of the Belron Group, which I believe is the largest windshield repair company um, around. They've got you know, in the US, then they have Safe Flight, it's Autoglass in the UK. He was a dispatcher. And so Martin was deeply familiar with the processes they used when they dispatched field technicians. Um, he again, you know, really took on power apps and started solving problems for his for the technician. So examples like when they have an issue with a part and they need to call back a call center, there was a lot of back and forth on the phone and taking paper notes that's streamlined now through through an app, right, that he built. Um, he's, once he's, he, so he built a number of apps for field technicians. He then, he just, I mean, he just builds apps. It's it's pretty phenomenal if you're spending a couple of days with him. Um, so the next thing it, went on to his building like a 360 degree feedback app. It kind of extended beyond technician apps to HR apps, apps to drive their leadership conference. They were driving, there was a conference where people were then taking photographs within the conference from within the app and posting it back. Um, so he got some recognition within the company. And then he was of course invited even to present on stage with James Phillips as at the keynote at MBAS. Um, he was just presenting at Future Decoded, I believe, yesterday. Yeah, in London. So yeah, it's so been, good. It, yeah, it's been great to see uh, Martin's journey and how that's evolved. <clears throat> um, and he's moved, just like Summit, you know, he's now in a role where he's actually in IT, right? And his actual title is a Power App software developer. So coming back to your earlier question of, you know, he, he would be considered very much a technologist now, even from a, a job title standpoint. Um, but but still doing work sort of with that same on the ground ethos, understanding deeply the business. Um, okay, next. I'm sure we're behind time already. Uh, Mohammed uh, Al Khawaja from Hawkery Pharmaceuticals in Iraq. This is particularly close to heart since he was episode number one for us. We you know heard his story in February, I believe, of 2018, and that got us kicked off with the the episode momentum that I talked about he uh, he built so he's a sales and marketing manager at a pharmaceutical company he built what he calls a DRM as opposed to CRM because it's a doctor relationship management solution um, and his sales staff when they go out and make visits to sell pharmaceuticals to doctors, they end up logging their visits, logging details. So there's all this additional visibility now available via their Power BI reports. And then you know, notifications to supervisors via flow. Uh, so he showed us, you know, almost while we're having a conversation with him, sometimes notification will pop in. So and so just visited this doctor, and there's this whole like real-time motion. The other thing I found interesting there is because of that data, they're now also using it to do coaching. So supervisors can coach their sales staff through the application and capture coaching notes. Uh, and it's something we've seen with a number of these solutions, right? It's not, you start off with one nugget and you do your, and it has real value, but then you just keep building on it and turning these ideas into then real working solutions uh, only gets quicker in some ways. Mm -mm. I like it. So, Just yeah. one, one thing I want to clarify there. Where did you yeah. say he's from? He's from Iraq. 
I, man, you do not hear in IT circles that every day, right? Yeah. As in, yeah. you you know, this is this is amazing, and you know, I've always got a secret. Well, I've got a secret belief because of what I'm learning at the moment around um, some of the stuff out of the International Monetary Fund is that Asia, you know, there's a massive growth or, or you know income shift in those countries, and I think you know uh, we're going to see a lot more people out of those regions in these success stories going forward. Yeah, like, isn't it amazing? Yeah, I find it like speaking to Mohammed, where he's dialing in from Iraq and we're, look, you know, over a team's call, looking at demos. Um, it, 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 it does. Uh, th- there is quite a personal angle to that, which is quite mm-hmm. fulfilling. Um, so good. I love it. I love it. Tell us about Red Cross. Yeah, Red Cross. Our friend Nick Gill at the Red Cross is who we got connected with. We learned of him through uh, the Champions program. He actually had posted a note within there saying he wanted you know, more information. <laughs> His actual question was, he didn't use the word citizen developer, but it was effectively, hey, I'm a citizen developer, but I'm doing things which seem IT-ish. Can you, guys, can you help me um, kind of take things to the next level? And so he was running, uh, he was managing a set of volunteers who do training and he did training as well. So think of it as CPR training, things like that, which the Red Cross does a lot of. He built an app called Supply Hub, which reduced, I would say, the time it takes now for a volunteer to get their training supplies down from three to four weeks to a matter of two to three days. right? And this is uh, because it's all, again, moved from them having to do f- paper, FedEx, a whole bunch of manual steps to now just having an app where they can go and enter information and get supplies delivered. Uh, his app has also continued to progress. The one thing he calls out, which I find, you know, which has been found a couple of nuggets here is I like his quote where he calls power apps his gateway to learning. If it hadn't been for power apps, he probably would have never learned things like SQL. Now he's even learning Azure. Uh, he's used, you know, Flow, uh, teams, he's got that. That's right. He's got you know starting to use adaptive cards and teams to provide notifications back. He's using Flow to print FedEx labels. Starting to connect to APIs. So it, it's quite amazing how his scenarios have evolved. And then on a career side, he now manages logistics delivery for North America. And he has a team of ten people, and he's progressed from doing things just in SharePoint to now having uh, licenses for the common data service and building solutions uh, mm-hmm. on CDS. Wow, it's so good! It's so good. It seems like all the stories you're giving are definitely, you know, citizen d- developer. You know, the subject matter experts that are picking up the technology. Are you seeing other, you know? Um, uh, skill sets like IT pros, even developers that are also embracing um, Power Apps. So it's uh, it's funny you ask, Mark, because I'm going to transition to my friend Saurabh, who might have some examples for us in that category. Yeah, and for me the and for me the classic example there, and again, Mark, I'll try to be a little bit more honest to the one minute, uh, unlike Samir, is uh, so for me the classic example there is Schlumberger because uh, Schlumberger starts off with. Uh, uh, we start off the story with Alan. Alan's a uh, quintessential citizen developer, power user at Schlumberger, who picks up the platforms. He has a passion to using Power Apps to build native-looking applications and uh, using a low-code platform. And within a few months, he's churning out and uh, quality applications that are having business impact. And I believe today he has 80-plus applications uh, live. 
So he's a prolific app developer. And uh, like most folks, like Summit, not only does he do it himself, he trains folks around him. And now he has uh, folks, 120 plus folks trained to do something similar. So when you look at Schlumberger, we have Alan making great business impact using a low-code tool. The business now starts asking questions saying, what is this tool? We have a lot of pro devs who invest heavily in building high-quality Xamarin apps that make a lot of sense uh, for those scenarios. Is there something in between? And as part of that, uh, this question gets raised to Lad, who uh, runs their mobility studio. So Lad's a quintessential pro developer. He has uh, a team of around 50 folks under him who build pro dev mobile applications. And Lad talks about this story eloquently, and he he talked about it at a business application summit. He talks about how his first reaction was knee-jerk to Power App, right? It's, uh, this is not for me. I'm a professional developer. I can open up Visual Studio. I don't know this low-code tool. But then uh, Lad did what, uh, which I showed great maturity at his end. He looked at it to the next level, went over his... Uh, prejudices and found that, no, this tool could add a lot of value for professional developers as well. Uh, it could be leveraged. Folks, just because you can do it in Visual Studio does not mean that every time folks want to sort of redo the plumbing for an application, uh, you can take building blocks and be far more productive uh, using a low-code platform. And today, LAD is one of our biggest supporters at Schlumberger from a professional developer perspective. And of course, scenarios he tackles tend to be a little bit more complex. They're very often about mobile applications connecting to SAP, for example, using a custom API. So he brings his pro dev expertise there. That, that's interesting because I've been thinking a bit about lately around how do Azure ISVs really consider CDS and and the opportunity presented there so that they, you know, uh, I'm not saying they move away from being Azure ISVs, but they could also look at the the journey of becoming a power platform ISV. And and one of the 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 benefits is this providing a low code platform to the companies that they're selling their solution to. So rather than having to reinvent the power platform, they actually can provide it as part of their product suite. No, exactly. And that's, I mean, to be our strategy, even from a Microsoft perspective, right? We will provide, if you look at it from an ISV perspective, if you think of what we provide first party to also be an ISV solution, like we will provide a great customer engagement solution, but we know that it won't work for 100% of the scenario. There will be last mile apps and Power Apps is perfect for that. Uh, so I see ISVs just like I see our first-party teams. Uh, they, I, I would hope that they would follow exactly the same strategy. Provide a great SaaS offering that's highly configurable and meets 80% of your customers' needs. For everything last mile, just leverage Power Apps in Flow and Power BI. I love it. I love it. Who's next? The so next is James Madsen. James Madsen works for another professional developer. So I'm going to stick with the pro dev team and... Uh, he works for uh, the largest uh, pharmaceutical retail chain in Australia. And for James, he's, uh, I just wanted to actually quote him directly. I'll just read a quote. Um, At first, I approached the utilization of Power Apps as simply a presentation layer. And even in that, I wasn't disappointed. Power Apps allowed me to very quickly stand up a visually pleasing and compelling front end, complete with dashboard style metrics, tiles, and values that provided the users with the ability to see at a glance how a store in question was tracking in terms of retail metrics and store visit information. The speed at which I could build out these on-screen components 
helped me realize the appeal of low-code platforms. But as I began to experiment further, I started to understand that Power Apps still has so much to offer a full-stack developer such as myself. And the reason I like that quote is because it's a very typical journey. Folks start off saying, let me let it at least handle the UI layer for me. Then like, hey, why don't I just use the connectors? And hey, why don't, what about if I start connecting it to additional backend like SAP connectivity potentially? And we've seen a lot of professional developers uh, take that journey along with us. So good, so good. Who's next? Yeah, Interpipeline is next. And uh, Interpipeline's uh, again an organization where we, there is NEPA for Interpipeline, who's their CIO, and it's uh, bringing about a big change at Interpipeline. She's a big deliver in uh, low-code platforms and uh, essentially bottom-up innovation. Again, she did a great presentation about uh, her approach to low-code innovation at uh, the Business Application Summit as well. So she's leading transformation there. In her IT team is Kent. Kent uh, is an MVP for BizTalk. He's been he's an MVP for Power Apps and Flow now as well. And just to point out an example of a transformation they've enabled was they had an IT conference recently, and instead of just talking about low code, they wanted to showcase it. So they built a custom app for that conference that was a Canvas app on the front end. So any uh, person attending the conference got a native-looking uh, power app that they used on their mobile phone. They could find what sessions were going on. They could find uh, where they were. They could get directions to the sessions. They could chat about the conference. They could rate the speakers, what you would expect in a typical conference app. All the back office of that application is a model-driven application because all that data goes in CDS. So it's uh, the folks setting up the conference, who's the speaker, what sessions, uh, all that happened in a model-driven app. Uh, there is a Power BI dashboard that goes on top of it to figure out how many folks are using the app, what was the rating of an average session. And most importantly, this was something that Kent built within a week, right? It was something in-house, a single developer with his day job could build, churn out, and actually have folks use at a conference. That's the power of low-code for when in the right hands. Uh, Similarly, in the similar way, is TransAlta. Uh, TransAlta is an energy company in uh, Canada, and they were going through a transformation themselves, as most energy companies are. And the reason I'm, I really like TransAlta is uh, it was among the few very early wins we had on Power Apps when we had just gone uh, GA. And here again, it was uh, professional developers picking up the Power Platform and solving very unique scenarios that only folks close to the business can solve and only make sense if solved by a low-code platform. And what I mean by that is there was a scenario where they wanted an app uh, to help with the scheduling of folks who service wind turbines. And there was a lot of data that went into that scheduling, even figuring out if uh, what the wind speed was and if it was worth uh, even servicing it right now or just waiting for a few more days uh, um, when it was during off-peak hours folks think along those lines. And this was an application that uh, was, so the process that was done manually and was something that IT was not willing to invest in from in the traditional pro dev scenario to build an app for because it was too expensive for a uh, vague return on investment. But because they were able to build it on low code and quickly prove the value in there, 
that app still now lives on and is a showcase of what low code can do at Transalta. And then it just took off from there to them building a series of other applications. So good. So once again, like I asked before around the citizen devs, how did the pro devs discover CDS or were they already using it? Um, and they basically look at their repertoire of tools available to them and chose the power platform and power apps was the best way to go. Yeah, so I guess it's uh, mostly through, in some ways, a lot of it is through what I talked about, you know, essentially highlighting the, being the champions of our champions or celebrating success. So a lot of folks do discover it uh, in terms of looking at the stories that are out there in terms of going to our conferences and seeing Satya mention it in a keynote. Uh, because we do have with pro developers, particularly, you know, with the uh, are fairly went tuned to Microsoft, and we've always been a very developer-focused organization. Uh, so a lot of folks come through it from hearing about it from others who've been successful or our leaders talking about it. Uh, so while power users, I think, find it more organically. Yeah, yep, that makes sense. Uh, professional developers generally find it through our Microsoft evangelism channels. Yeah, so good. Now you said you're going to stick to a minute, and I, I, think, I, think, <laughs> no. I think I think you're over that. But, but let's 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 talk about Virgin Atlantic. Yeah, I'll be quick on this one because this is such a popular yeah. story already. So Manuela from Virgin Atlantic, she's in IT light in within Virgin, and she was uh, driving .NET and uh, InfoPark. But the main piece that when Manuela talks about is that Virgin was going through. Uh, mobile transformation, right? The workers were getting more and more mobile and she felt that if she wasn't contributing to that, she was left out because she was not a mobile developer. But what Power Apps opened up for her was, uh, as she discovered Power Apps, suddenly she was playing in that field, right? She was churning out quality applications uh, in the mobile space. And then of course she became the champion. She became the Power Apps girl at Virgin, helping a whole community uh, grow along with her. I'll try to stick to the one minute. So I'll go a little quick on the next few. Uh, SBB, the Swiss uh, Railroad. Martin from SBB, uh, another great example of someone in IT. His challenge was they had 300-plus uh, uh, SharePoint legacy forms that they need to uh, move over. So these would have been InfoPath forms, right? So they had actually an investment in a custom ISV solution on top of ah, SharePoint. Okay. So they were using... Okay, gotcha. uh, uh, they were not. They have InfoPath as well, but predominantly these forms were on a custom IT solution on SharePoint, and they were looking to modernize them. And uh, that's what they did. They've been successful in migrating 300 of these over. And again, Martin's story was at the Business Application Summit as well. And in true Swiss fashion, what's impressive is what they've achieved with the platform, but also how they went about doing it, right? They put a flowchart in place. They have a very well uh, described process on what uh, the steps they go through to look at a form, decide if it's worth modernizing, uh, how how they end up modernizing it in Power Apps, and then it, uh, it comes out efficiently at the end of the pipeline. Saurabh, so, I'll jump in. And my the one thing Martin said which struck for me is, you know, people found you start with a form and you may end up with an app, right? And people internally who spent more time just got more out of it because you have these much more than just a form at the end. Yeah, yeah. What I find interesting also, just back on Virgin story, is that Forms Pro is also paying quite a feature in even, you know, how that now links into the Power Platform and it can do a bunch of workloads that you don't even necessarily use a Power App for, which I think is awesome. Make that. Yeah. And I'll 
to cap off my IT and product pieces, I'll just talk about Microsoft. So within Microsoft, we have a series of what we call the Thrive applications. These are a series of employee experience applications. And again, we've blogged about them. This is all live. Uh, it's a series of four or five applications that we share with uh, all our employees, so shared with 100,000 plus Microsoft employees. And it's uh, about giving a kudos to a colleague. It's about doing your time and absence reporting. So core uh, business stuff, stuff that uh, talks to payroll on the back end, uh, this Power App actually talks to an SAP on-premise server uh, for some payroll functions. Uh, and I think within each month, we have around 15 to 20,000 Microsoft employees who use these applications. Uh, so just from a scale perspective, right? It's uh, shared with the organization with some business critical stuff on the back end and heavy usage. And uh, again, as folks look at, uh, if you look online, you'll see screenshots of it. It's uh, native grade UI for these applications. That's so good. So good. Samir, your turn. Yeah, I'll throw in one more thing on the Thrive side, just a, a quick plug uh, that Mehdi on our team recently posted a version of those apps that anyone could download and deploy in their own CDS environment and wow. try them out. Okay. So there's a blog post, recent blog post within the last month um, that gives you those packages. All right. So moving on, let's see how we do. Um, the next one is what I think of as our patient zero. Often we joke is Eric McKinney from G&J Pepsi. You may have seen him recently at the Inspire conference where Satya held up his, proudly held up his champ card that Eric had signed. Um, he's been, you know, I'm kind of working backwards. Recently, he was, he's been an early adopter of the AI builder technology. And that was what he showcased at uh, Inspire. But moving, you know, moving back, he's built, 20 plus apps in their organization, you know, saved um, now over a million dollars plus collectively. He got started. His first app went live the day that Power Apps GA'd started with a store ordered solution for their uh, uh, folks in the field. G&J Pepsi is the um, one of the largest family owned bottlers for Pepsi. And Eric was... The code he uses himself, he's in IT, but he wasn't an app developer at all, right? He was used to manage infrastructure, manage servers, um, did a little bit of data analysis. And he jokes that he went from hugging servers to building apps. Right? So he was really now getting to the business, solving business problems, which is what he uh, now prides himself in. And he's, of course, then trained up others. Similar story of how he's not just helped himself, but others in the organization. Um, next, I'll talk. Any questions on Eric? I, we could we could spend two hours on on Eric and his journey. <laughs> I just love in that scenario. You, to, you know what jumped to mind there for me was creating business value rapidly. Where in the past, you know, talking about the service scenario, you had to do a lot of stuff before you could create business value. Power Apps allows you to do not much stuff and get business value straight away. Yeah, and it's also amazing. He's, he still manages, you know, what their cloud. Um, aspects, but he's also, in a sense, upskilled himself and upskilled the business, right, in the process. Um, next is an example of partners in health. So moving back to a few more citizen developer stories. Uh, this is in the nonprofit space, partners in health. Uh, Bella over there built an app to manage their gift review process. So they get donations. They need to help manage those donations and often review them to see if there are any errors. Again, that used to be a complicated uh, spreadsheet process. She's moved that into a simple app that then ties back into their you know, other systems to further inform people if action needs to be taken. 
she started off as a data analyst and now she's added app building to her to her tool tool belt right um Rebecca Sackett from Customer Products. So I would highly encourage people to see her demo from Embass if you haven't. Uh, Customer Products is a 200-person, you know, small business custom air condition manufacturing company in Texas. And what uh, Rebecca built is essentially she's replaced their entire paper-based process for doing sign-offs during manufacturing over into digital. They had these things called traveler documents because they would they call them travelers because they would literally travel with each unit. Each unit is custom built from scratch. Um, you can imagine with paper dockets traveling around, sometimes they'd you know, fall, get wet, things like that. Um, and literally every sign off as it goes from manufacturing to quality checks uh, to shipping, is all done on that one paper document. It's now 100% replaced with digital. And she was an access developer uh, that then picked up Power Apps and ran with it. She's using Flow to print out invoices. So that's also, the, and she talks about exactly how she did that, um, which is, a, again, another one of those scenarios I see where typically it would take a lot more moving pieces to get something like that uh, up and running. Um, they use it. Uh, and little anecdote is they end up using these apps also in what they call duck walks. So every other day, they have their technicians go around with power apps on their tablet devices, checking machines, and then checking off things um, digital. But it's just a great example to me, again, of so much that happens in that manufacturing process on paper now being all digital without requiring, you know, large IT budgets. <clears throat> Next, we spoke a bit about Vivek already, so I'll keep that short. Vivek works at Regal Beloit. Mark, you're probably going to have, sounds like you'll have him on the show and uh, get a lot more detail there. But he, as a sales and marketing manager, has built out applications to help his, his own sales teams, right? So they can provide these detailed cost savings document, uh, cost saving calculations to their customers while on the field. He's got apps to showcase his products, you know, that's with images and videos. It's sort of taking data that might live in their dynamic systems and other places and making it come alive on mobile. And then Vivek, will super passionate member of the community. He was one of the folks, I think that, uh, I believe that started the, the meme, the power addicts, hashtag power addicts meme. One of the few folks that got that going and now an MVP as well and extremely active in the community. Um, yeah, yeah, Vivek really, really is. And, you know, speaking speaking of great guys, we've got uh, uh, Sir Keith Watling. Uh, hopefully someday he'll get a knighthood for all his, for everything he's done. Uh, <laughs> you've, had him, you've had him on the show. So again, you know, the, we could spend hours about Keith's work. What I, professionally, he, his history has been interesting because he started as a, a multimedia geek. I keep coming back to your question of, you know, is he a technologist? Is he not a technologist, right? In some ways, he very much is, but he's not a professional developer technologist. Um, he started in the 90s as a multimedia geek. At some point during the bust, got frustrated with all of that and went and was uh, driving buses for Riva. And then from there, ended up uh, being in the operation side, building super complex spreadsheets. I believe he won an award for building a spreadsheet. And then he's taken all of that knowledge and turned it into an application, right, into apps to help with dif optimize different processes, such as, you know, when a bus breaks down and it needs to be repaired, um, helping manage that communication. It 
connecting directly to the TF the trans the TFL I believe TFL APIs. Um, so it starts again some fairly sophisticated solutions built by with low code tools. Uh, Keith is again he's one of the folks that again kind of started the whole hashtag PowerEdix movement in some ways, and he's just so so passionate about. Uh, really helping other people and lifting them up and bringing them along on this journey. Um, his, if you know, if you speak to him over beers, he's he's like, Samir, what what we're looking, what I'm really looking for is how do I find other summits and Martin Lees and Rebecca's and uh, and and amplify the work that they're doing, but also con- connect them with others in the community. So, um, great guy. Yeah. So 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 good. He like he's one of the guys that I'm surprised he haven't stuck a blue badge on because he he has such an interesting way of thinking about things and really understanding um the beginner's journey, you know, and, and a lot of people forget what it's like to be a beginner um you know with this technology and I love that he's not a status quo guy. He's always thinking outside the box. He's always innovating in the way he thinks about an idea or a concept or an application of technology. So, um, yeah, you should be moving heaven and earth to get a blue badge on that land. Yeah, I mean, in the community, yeah, from a citizen development perspective, he definitely, you know, he embodies the kinds of things we want to grow and then the platform, and he, and he understands the broader spectrum of the platform. Um, so, yeah, if I... Is it my turn or Saurabh, am no, I handing it's, off to it, you? It's, it's time Saurabh to, to, told us a bit about, there's been a lot of talk in the market lately about COEs, and, um, you know, center of excellence. And I know you've got some IP. In fact, I think we talked on our last call about this around um, some templates and bits and pieces to establish these. But, Sir, can you tell us a bit about the, the organizations that have been quite successful um, in doing this? No, absolutely. And the this, uh, reflection on the maturity of the platform, right? It's, so when we first started, we talked to people about just being successful on Power Apps, and then they'd have their next 10 apps, then 50 apps, and then 100 apps. And then, uh, then the conversation very quickly goes to, okay, we get the platform, it's successful, it's phenomenal. What we need is how do we find the right ba- yin and yang balance? How do we put the right guardrails in place without stifling innovation? And that's uh, exactly where the COE fits in. Uh, and I know we keep referring to our business application summit, but we did a session there on uh, guidance around how to establish a COE. And we talk about uh, four items in there is uh, you need to set the right uh, guardrails. You need to nurture growth. Uh, you need to have a support model in there and you need to have infrastructure to automate a lot of uh, manual processes as uh, the volume grows for these applications. And all of this guidance that we give out came from our early engagements with uh, uh, customers, and I can maybe bundle a few of them in here, right? Standard Bank and SNCF were two of the uh, earliest customers we engaged with at scale. And both of, uh, both are now at 100, 150 plus apps in production and uh, maybe even higher. Uh, they were at 100 almost a year back. And they've taken the approach of having, of exactly that maturity where they've, kept a central team that keeps an eye out, but not with an eye of just stifling innovation, more about keeping an eye out, keeping folks within the guardrail, but also playing a great nurture function, making sure that if they see someone building an application in one business unit, figuring out if a different business unit could use it, figuring out where a power user has reached a point where some training might help them get over a hump and establishing training programs around that place. Even simple stuff like, 
uh, taking applications that folks have built and just showcasing them, just what we do externally, being champions of their champions internally in that organization. So a lot of investment has gone in from Standard Bank and SNCF uh, in terms of uh, being thoughtful uh, about uh, how uh, PowerApp is adopted in their organization. And that reflects in the success that they have seen. So again, both for Standard Bank and SNCF, uh, we could do a full show. And actually, maybe you should. We, you can, uh, we can ha have Ian and others from uh, show up and just talk for an hour about their approach on Power Apps. But they've been, uh, it's all public and out there in blogs. Uh, the next level of maturity on Center of Excellence is Chevron, which has taken a fairly large bet on Power App as being as being the low-code platform for their organization. Uh, and uh, everyone in Chevron now has the full Power App licenses to Enovit. And our team has been deeply involved with them in setting up uh, what is a fairly big investment at their end. Today, I think uh, it's around 20 folks at Chevron full-time with a whole series of partners uh, helping with that innovation uh, at Chevron. And they follow very closely uh, sort of the model we talked about. Uh, they have a lot of uh, infrastructure built in at Chevron where almost any task that needs to be done a few times is automated uh, using our APIs. There's a big effort on community. We just had a week-long training at Chevron where uh, we trained their leaders from different business units who will then take back that learning and uh, apply it to their business units. Uh, they have a whole team set up to do uh, the power user support I talked about, how helping power users get over the hump if they do uh, run into uh, technical difficulties. And then a whole uh, team dedicated to supporting the business uh, units to figure out how they can get value out of this low-code platform. So very structured approach to a center of excellence already in, uh, not just in paper, it's already implemented and uh, paying dividends. Uh, they publicly talked about having 5,000 folks using Power Apps a few months back, and I can tell you that's phenomenally higher already today. Um, so again, they do talk about their uh, approach to center of excellence publicly at the Business Application Summit. And then another person I would love to mention from a center of excellence community perspective is Simon. So Simon started uh, sort of a movement at GSK, uh, GlaxoSmithKline, um, uh, the pharma company around a series of uh, folks who are uh, lovingly called the Power Rangers. He started with a set of eight folks in one particular uh, manufacturing facility in the UK. They would get together weekly, uh, take business problems, uh, try to solve them uh, in a, a community fashion, help each other out. That community of eight has now grown to 1,000 in uh, GSK in just in wow, just one year. Wow, a thousand. Uh, they've uh, got recognition wow. from their management. Uh, they've uh, one of the applications they built was uh, what they call a Zap app. It was an application to maintain safety uh, within their manufacturing facilities. And once it was successful in one uh, manufacturing location, they realized this applied to, I believe, forty-seven other countries, and uh, that same thing was replicated at different geolocations. So again, a pure organic uh, center of excellence in codes, but that started off with a bunch of eight passionate rangers that have now grown to a thousand. Incredible, incredible. 
couple of quick things on the the Chevron. There's one anecdote that has always stuck with me that Warren, who runs their COE, mentioned is he quickly, when he looked at the platform, his viewpoint quickly went from, you know, how do not just how do I build a few apps? He was like, everything I do is how do I build, you know, thousands of apps and how do I enable hundreds, if not thousands of app makers, right? And the lens that he puts on when thinking from that dimension for everything is quite different than how do I take this particular app into production? So, um, so so good. One of one of one of the, the in fact, I was on the live stream earlier today that I run over on YouTube. Steve Modu and myself always chat for an hour uh, with video, etc. And one of the things that come up is a concern by partners that they're feeling that Microsoft doesn't care about them anymore. That there's there's nothing for them to do if the citizens are doing it all. But do you have any success stories of where partners are, you know, being successful uh, in the in the power up space? Yeah. So my uh, my short answer to that uh, that comment is not true, as in that that is it, it, it definitely not true of, uh, about partners. And um, we have, in fact, on our Akansha, who manages the power apps partner program. She's, a, you know, effectively an extension on our of our team. We're in a sister team, and she's extremely super passionate about everything that we speak about with customers. You know, you could translate that and that's the energy, if not more, that she brings when talking about partners. And the whole idea is for us to be able to enable, equip partners uh, with with these tool sets to really be able to move in some sense uh, quicker, faster, cheaper, right? And and just as you're adding to your tool belt, you're adding it whether you're a partner who used to do only data analysis that can now do app building. You're a partner that was a dynamics um, part, partner that can now you know play in, in more worlds or build more sophisticated end-to-end solutions because of the platform. And we could go down the list, right, of different, the angles where you may come in from a a traditional mobile development shop. Um, In fact, one of the things we're seeing with partners is uh, just like Microsoft is, they don't know where to fit this into their practice, right? Does it go in their SharePoint practice, Dynamics practice, app dev practice? And in some sense, the answer is all of the above. Uh, And there's a COE angle, which I think my 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 guess is down the road, you will have partners coming in and, and really helping what Chevron, for example, and this is just me kind of, you know, my opinion here is what someone like Chevron has built up, what Saurabh mentioned as an internal, um, uh, fairly sophisticated team running their COE. I could entirely see that being run, operated, managed by a partner, right? And so from a story perspective, yeah, just, just to, to put- add to that, but I should have mentioned this earlier, uh, on the COE, we, my team puts out what we call a COE starter kit. Uh, I know James Olenek talked about it when he was on your show as well. And then we've had a few partners like Applied Information Sciences who've taken that and had an adoption framework that they uh, present. We have a few other partners like PowerObject that also has a COE in a box offering. And so does our Microsoft uh, MCS uh, consulting as an offer as well. Nice, nice. So, do you have some uh, do you have some success stories of partners that are, are nailing it in the space? Yeah, I'll give you. So, we have a few that I could list out. One, I was impressed with what Quantic has done with the nonprofit Leonard Cheshire, and what really stood out for me there. So, Leonard Cheshire is a nonprofit that uh, that provides care for folks with disability. Um, 
Quantic has really brought in the full power of Dynamics and the Power Platform. I mean, their solution, which is used by Leonard Cheshire to go out and uh, manage care plans for the people in their community. Um, they've taken, you know, I would say Dynamics 365 uh, CRM, the CRM aspects, finance and operations. Some of this is currently in development. Other pieces have landed. Uh, they've built model-driven apps where you can go and manage your care plans. They've got mobile canvas apps, which are used by people out in the field to then, you know, collect evidence and collect information. The cool thing is then that that, that same app runs embedded within the model-driven app. So there's no new development and they see it in the back office integrated in. Plus it integrates with uh, Microsoft Teams and, and SharePoint and other properties. So if I look at their sort of one view architecture stack, it's like taking all of these Microsoft pieces and bringing them to bear in, in one solution. Again, they had presented at Embass. You could see them, both uh, Dipash from Leonard Cheshire and Matt from Quantic. Another example is Macaw. Macaw actually just yesterday was speaking with them. They were sharing how they've taken that COE starter kit and then are starting to build on it and add their pieces and taking that out to organization they're speaking with. They de deployed a solution at Eneco. Eneco is a... Uh, energy company in the Netherlands, where they opened their new state-of-the-art facility for 2,000-odd people. And they had <laughs> you have this new state-of-art facility. Meanwhile, people are running around with uh, you know, notes stuck on conference rooms to book ad hoc rooms. Right? You have a number of these ad hoc rooms that people didn't know whether they were available or not. In their case, they built a simple mobile app on top of SharePoint, which has digitized that process and brought forward... Um, you know, which reflects what the, to align with the state of the art facility in some way. Uh, and I could go down. I know we're from, you know, there's Datacom in New Zealand doing work with the local government there um, of Canterbury building project management solutions. You have Intel. Did, 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 yeah. did, I, I think one of those guys just became an MVP from the day before yesterday. From Datacom? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. We've been uh, quite connected with Rich over there. So I, I saw him pop up in the global hack as well. They've been doing some some great work down there. Um, in Telekia, in the Tenerife, uh, are working with this with the Island Council of Tenerife, local government again. They run programs for senior citizens, so encouraging them to get out and promote wellness and organizing, you know, anywhere things from dance classes to yoga classes and uh, local events. They built, in this case, it's Power Apps running embedded within a SharePoint list right, as a customized form that they now use to coordinate all of their activities. And they've had, you know, thousand plus events organized through the system. Again, it, it, it takes away all of the hassle they had from managing these things on paper and email into one single solution. It's also the, the folks there who are using it are particularly non, you know, I would say non-tech savvy. And for them to have that show up within a familiar SharePoint experience that they were used to was a big win there. So again, uh, local partner, I love from a partner side, we're working with uh, Ikel and he's put out, this is more his community side. Uh, it, it, this is another you know, thing that I found interesting, just seeing what people are doing on Twitter is you've got partners doing these implementations, but then they're also plugged into the community and they're just in many ways just giving, right? They, they put out templates, put out samples. He created a version of what he calls Power Twitter, which is a pixel perfect implementation of Twitter done in Power Apps, put out on the community gallery, right? And then that encourages, um, it, it's just 
showing the art of the possible in some ways. Um, and the other two, I think we'd Power Objects built an extension for Kelly roofing. They built an extension to their, again, their Dynamics implementation so that when um, their technicians are repairing roofs, building new roofs, to take photographs and then upload them back into SharePoint, connect them back to Dynamics, as well as do some quick status updates was a bit of a cumbersome process with, you know, they had a 10-step flowchart and how they did it through emails and renaming files. All of that is simplified and, you know, with a few clicks, their pictures are all getting documented. Um, so, yeah, that's a quick one of partners and we could go on. I mean, I think partners, there's a, there's a, we, we, from our perspective, at least from my perspective, certainly I'm seeing a lot of activity with how partners going out and engaging in, you know, in various aspects of the cycle, you know, all the way from pre-sales to delivery to then what we come back and help them celebrate their success. So good. Well, we've got four to go. So Rob, you might as well take the last four. Okay, I'll take them and I'm going to do that partner stories as uh, well. And, uh, so uh, one of them is uh, Metro Bank, a bank that runs on our Dynamics uh, systems. Uh, they they had a scenario where they wanted what I would call a satellite app, right? They had an experience where when folks enter their uh, retail setting, meaning their bank itself, uh, they were greeted with someone with a pen and paper asking them on what they were there for and uh, helping them get scheduled. They That did not uh, meet the appeal that they had uh, in terms of being a technology first bank. So they wanted to modernize the greeter experience. And that's exactly what they did by building a tablet power apps that in turn connected to their CRM system, but provided a great interface on a ruggedized surface tablet so that when someone came in, their data could be entered, they could be connected with the right people, they could be told what the wait time will be, and they could be notified by our text messages if they wanted to wait, uh, go do their shopping while their appointment uh, was not ready. And they, it's a great implementation of Power Apps on top of uh, CRM with uh, some Azure thrown in with machine learning to calculate the wait times. And all of this we did in conjunction with a great partner, IBM. Excellent. You know, for, for, for Metro, you know, Lee Baker, I don't know if you know Lee, but Absolutely. man, he's massively in the community. Really, you know, he, he's a, uh, yeah, a massive champion. You know, I'll see him at just about every event that, you know, is on in London. Um, and uh, yeah, great community contributor. No, no, absolutely. And we are looking forward to meeting Lee soon in November when we'll be in Europe. But no, absolutely. And uh, well, this will continue to be phenomenal work coming out of Metro Bank, I believe, in this space. Uh, another example in keeping the UK theme is HSBC, uh, another a bank on uh, in London. They had a partner Infosys. Uh, they reached out with a specific scenario around their and uh, relationship managers. These are folks who on the phone will talk to clients and. Uh, uh, help them find the right offering within HSBC for them. So if you are a relationship manager in London talking to a client in Spain, it's considered cross-border trade if you sell an offering to them and there are some legal implications to it. To get uh, approval from a legal implication, it used to be an Excel spreadsheet, which uh, has now graduated to being a great-looking mobile app that Infosys built for HSBC. Yeah, they enter in the criteria, it gives them a red, green, it gives them a conditional green, letting them know that this makes sense, but under these conditions. So 
uh, it's again, uh, it's a, mo a canvas app on the front end for the relationship managers and a model driven form uh, on the back end that the lawyers use to keep updating the latest legal status as these rules change. Uh, great success story by Infosys, which then went on to build a lot more of these uh, for different customers and now have a fairly thriving practice on the Power Platform. I also wanted to talk about, uh, when we talk about IBM and Infosys, also talk about what I would call almost a boutique partner, right? We have a partner called Confluent, who was one of the earliest partners we had on the Power Platform journey. And they did some phenomenal work as well. So it doesn't, you don't have to be a large GSI, you could be uh, two, three, 10, 20 person uh, team doing great work on Power Apps. And Confluent uh, worked with IPS, which is uh, International Pump Systems, and uh, essentially digitized their entire uh, process. Everything moved from being paper based, and we have uh, images they show us where everything used to be on a big whiteboard with bundles of paper, all moving to a ruggedized Android tablet on the workflows on the workflow being used by uh, the pump repair specialists to follow a very detailed process on dismantling a pump and then that same process in reverse order to assemble it back again with a lot of images taken it at every step to make sure nothing goes wrong. Uh, and again, it's uh, we visited one of their uh, workshops in Portland. It was very gratifying to see uh, you know, folks uh, using it, uh, getting value out of it. Uh, there's something very gratifying about seeing your platform in real use. Same thing, I stopped by at Metro Bank at their Reading branch and uh, immediately someone came up to me with a Surface tablet with the app running thing, asking me what I was there for. So very gratifying. And on the gratifying end, we'll end with the Hopelink, which is a nonprofit close to us here based in Seattle. They are again, completely transforming their entire technology stack on the Power Platform. They're taking a set of disparate uh, uh, discrete processes, combining them uh, onto one data model on CDS with the whole series of Canvas model, Canvas in model, business process flows. So they're redoing their entire uh, technology stack on top of the Power Platform. And they're doing it with the help of a, what I would again call a boutique partner, Seattle App Labs, a great shop locally that typically did pro dev, a mobile app development uh, that is now uh, providing value on the dynamic stack on the power platform stack uh, for hopelink mm, so good well there we go 30 in uh, 30-ish minutes <laughs> we hit our numbers if people want to actually drill in um you know to these separate um case studies what's the link that they can they can access that on I, I can share one of that so one i would say is if you go to aka.ms forward slash Power Apps resources. Um, that has a section for customer stories. And what it has is, is multiple links. So in some cases where the stories are conference presentations, some of them are case studies. That's a, a, a decent summarized list to start with. Some of them that are not there, you know, Mark, perhaps we'll send you some links to add to yeah, your show notes as sounds well. Sounds great. Um, and keep an eye out because this list will only keep increasing both on our on our blog, on our marketing channels, um, through conference videos, uh, it'll go on. I'll throw a shout out for just last week, a video on Lauren Taylor got published. So I would look for that on the Power Apps YouTube channel. Send me a link um, to that one, we'll get in the show notes. Okay, let's wrap up with some quick fire questions. Um, first of all, who's gonna go first? I can go. S okay, Sarab, Sarab, left hand or right hand? 
The right hand. Okay, here's your questions. Are you ready? Six questions, quick fire. Got nothing to do with work, n- nothing to do with work or business, but they're going to put you on the spot. Okay, you ready? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> What's the most surprising self-realization you've had? Oh, how much I uh, love this uh, job that I'm doing. If I, the customer, I'm uh, moving from product development to working closer with customers was the best career move I ever made. I love it. I love it. Okay, here's another one. What's a skill you learned when you were young that you still use today? Oh, everything. I think almost everything that we learned, uh, I would say problem solving. I think every, I see my kid grow as well. I think it's uh, a lot of things they learn, but the biggest thing you learn is problem solving and how mm, to tackle mm. problems. I like it. Would you rather experience the beginning of the planet Earth or the end of planet Earth? Um, beginning, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I'm with the, with the dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what's the worst job you've ever had? Now, <laughs> I, I know you said you've only worked for Microsoft, but like, <laughs> I, I assume you did a, the odd jobs growing up as well. No, if anyone even at Microsoft, I can be honest, there, there are, uh, to my earlier answer, right, there were elements of my career at Microsoft where I was uh, a little disconnected from uh, the application of my technology. And at least for me personally, I realized that it's very important how the technology is applied. So it wasn't as gratifying to me uh, to be building technology just for the sake of technology. Mm-hmm. I'm very driven to it being practically used. I love it. I love it. What's the last thing you bought for under $50 that you love and use often? Oh, um, not under 50 but uh, I, can, I bought these noise-canceling headphones, which are slightly on the expensive side, and I always thought they were not worth that price. But mm-hmm. ever since I've got them, I absolutely love them. <laughs> What's the brand? Uh, this one's, uh, it's not Bose. It's, uh, man, I forget. What's the German brand? Uh, Sennheiser? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Okay. Last one for you. Uh, if you could buy your dream house, what is one weird room or feature you would have in it? One feature I uh, is I want uh, two dishwashers is my only ask. Is uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't mind loading the dishwasher. I hate unloading it. So I just <laughs> want it to move between two dishwashers. Like uh, That's my, I keep convincing my wife on that. I love it. I love it. Okay, Samir, your turn. You ready for your six? I, I am not, not as ready as Saurabh was. He was he on like it, right? Prepared he was for this so thing. ready. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yep. here you go. If you could know when and how you're going to die, would you want to know? Not really. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't if mind, you... but I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you have to relive the same day for the rest of your life, which day would you choose? It'd be... Some boring weekend where I was out with my um, kids and wife, just doing nothing particularly exciting, but just out maybe hiking or something like that. I like it. Okay. Describe your worst date ever. My worst date ever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, did something go wrong or not as planned or what? Uh, Might have to take a pass on that one. Okay, I'll let you come back to it at the I'll end. I'll come back. It, I might come back to I that. I can tell you okay. that Samir's uh, best date was at the baggage claim counter in Utah Airport. Isn't that true, Samir? <laughs> that's where I met my wife at Salt Lake City Airport. Oh, that's nine, so cool. Now wife, back in, that was 1996. So is yes. it love at first sight? I, I don't know if it was love at first sight, but when you're, <laughs> uh, it's a longer story. When you're in a, in, in a place where uh, you find someone where you align with them. Yeah. Um, things click yeah nice i'll just leave nice. it in an abstract way yeah yeah that's yeah. good would you rather be rich or famous um i'm gonna give you a cheesy answer on that one mm-hmm. uh mark because 
which is more honest. I'd like to mm-hmm. make other people rich and famous. Nice. A bit of align with Satya's vision of, uh, uh, what is it? what's his quote about not making, not being superstars in Microsoft, but creating them or something to that Making effect? others cool. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Okay, second to last, what book have you read recently that you would recommend and why? There's one I recommended to you, which was Seth Godin's book, uh, This Is Marketing. And, I think and, it, what, and what did I do? I read it, right? Yeah, he talks about, <laughs> so like, good. again, he uses the word marketing, but it really comes back to, you know, building relationships, finding yeah. your tribe, you know, really addressing the folks that are um, not trying to, you know, play to just the masses and the spam form of marketing, yeah. but truly relationship building focused uh, yeah. approach. Yeah. I like it. My key takeaway, if you're spending money on marketing, like you spend money when you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I know it's a bit tongue in cheek, but that was such, yeah, such, such a powerful, uh, I, I think every Microsoft partner needs to go out and read that book if they're struggling with their marketing. Last one for you. Yes. What chance encounter, <laughs> I think I already know the answer, change your life forever. <laughs> I was I was coming back from a Microsoft internship in 1996, mm-hmm. and um, at the airport on the shuttle back to uh, school to Provo, Utah, uh, I met someone who, years later, we got married, and a few years after that, we um, had had kids. So wow, that's so that's cool. my chance encounter. That's so cool. Well, you guys have been legends. It's been so good to have you on the show. The The final question for each of you, well, the second and final question is this, and you've got to give me an honest answer. I want a blue badge name, but who do you recommend Samir as a future guest on the show? Yeah, I would think um, I'd recommend having Akansha and Colleen who run our partner programs. Um, you might have both of them on the show or one at a time, but would reach out to them. Let's get them on separately. Can you introduce those uh, to uh, to me? That'd be awesome. Yep, happy to do that. Sarab, what about you? So Samir stole my answer. It was, I thought it was going to be a combined question. Uh, well, uh, I would say it would be good doing a session with, uh, I guess you already had Manuela on the show as well. Maybe Mehdi from, yeah. uh, so Mehdi's uh, part of our team and he does some phenomenal work with open source tools around Power Apps, uh, Templates, best practices. Uh, so oh, the sounds next, good. next level of more geeking out on Power Apps is what Mehdi would be great for. Excellent. Okay, gentlemen, if people want to trace or track or where you kind of uh, live in the digital social landscape, are you on Twitter, LinkedIn? Where's the best way for them to, to follow your posts? Or do you have a specific URL they should go to? Samir, you're up first. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's at Samir Bhangar. Um, Always f- feel free to email. It's samirb at microsoft.com. And I'm on LinkedIn as well, although not as not particularly active on LinkedIn. Yeah, and I'm on Twitter at saurabhpant, S-A-U-R-A-B-H-P-A-N-T, uh, Pant at Microsoft. Uh, for folks who want to email, we generally blog using Power Apps blog, so that I would highly recommend anyone who's interested in Power Apps to just set up a flow, and I think it's a standard template where you get an email Anytime something new is posted on Power App Blog, that's how I keep myself updated. And then, of course, I'm on LinkedIn as well and a few other social media channels. Hey, thanks for listening. My name is Mark Smith. I'm your host, also known as the NZ365 Guy. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, As I said at the start, in the show notes, uh, you will be able to find all the links Uh, to the resources that we have. You'll find those at nz365guy.com forward slash 
136. If you enjoyed this episode and the other episodes, I'd love it if you'd go to iTunes and leave me a review. Uh, I've created a quick link to it, so if you go to nz365guy.com forward slash iTunes, it'll take you straight to the page if you want to leave a review uh, for the show. Thanks again, and have a great week.